This podcast is sponsored by Great White Hot Sauce. Do you like hot sauce? Then you'll love Great White Hot Sauce. It's a small batch handmade hot sauce. It's the sauce that bites. Find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. You won't regret it. Who was the greatest rock band of all time? Well, the general consensus is Led Zeppelin. And with 400 to 500 million record sales worldwide, it's hard to argue. But were they really? On this episode, we're going to break down Led Zeppelin. To the good, the bad, and the ugly side. Maybe you'll agree, maybe you'll disagree. Listen in and find out. KOFB Studio presents Milk Crates and Turntables, a music discussion podcast hosted by Scott McLean with his co-host, Jack Calabrese. Now, let's talk music. Enjoy the show. All right, we're back again. Thank you, Amanda, for that wonderful introduction as usual. This is Milk Crates and Turntables. I'm your host, Scott McLean. On the screen for the live streamers, uh, I have my my great friend, my co-host, the one, the only, the sublime. I'm not doing that again. The producer <laughs> makes me build you up, and I'm not going to do it, Mr. Jack Calabrese. But good before, evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Let me get this out. So right now we're streaming live over Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Twitch. Uh, if you want to get in touch with the show. Email us at milkcratesandturntables at gmail.com. Uh, that's milkcratesandturntables at gmail.com. Give us show suggestions, uh, advice on podcasting. Uh, you can correct us. Send us a uh, show. If you have any show ideas, we're all ears or eyes when it comes to emails. So let us know what you think. If you like the podcast, uh, subscribe, like it, comment. We're streaming on every podcast platform there is. So again, uh, without further ado, let me bring on my my buddy, the extremely knowledgeable Jack Calabrese. Hey, that's you, buddy. That's How you, you doing? I'm doing good down here in sunny Florida. I was in the pool today. The water was 85 degrees. I have a pool. It's in my basement right now. It's been raining all day. <laughs> yeah, it's called a sub pump, buddy. Get a sub yeah. pump. Oh, yeah. You don't I've need those one. in South Florida. So I, I got one. Okay, so let's get right to it. This week, uh, our episode is Led Zeppelin, the one, the only. Uh, so how we do this on this show is usually we have, a, you know, we have a topic and it's a list. You know, Jack has his list of whatever on the topic I do too. But this is our first basic like zeroing in on a on a particular band. So uh, let me uh, let me jump off on this and uh, start it out with... So Led Zeppelin is, is, a, is of course, a legendary group. Now, on this, we're not going to you know, discover... There's not going to be any great Led Zeppelin discoveries in this episode. I don't think we're going to mention anything that hasn't been talked about 
over the last 40 years. Uh, but we're going to have opinions and that's what makes a good podcast. I think, you know, we could be fact based and all that. <laughs> I think, uh, and we, we, we are in a sense, um, there's, there's a particular thing about Led Zeppelin that I, I find interesting is I think they were a little confused. I think Led Zeppelin was confused. I think they confused writing songs with arranging other people's songs and giving themselves a writing credit. They were great arrangers. John Paul Jones, the bass player, the quietest one in the band, is probably... What he is a key to that band. He was an amazing arranger, mm -hmm. music arranger. Yeah, uh, and he had a lot to do with you know him and Jimmy Page. But I, well, it's, I think it's one, it's one of the ways. One of the ways the band was formed. You know, Jimmy Page coming out of the Yardbirds. So you know, session musician, uh, and then actually even I think before joining the Yardbirds, he he actually did some session work with John Paul Jones, who was helping with the arranging even back then. And that he, was kind of a, part of the genesis of that band. He helped John Paul Jones. John Paul Jones and um, uh, Jimmy Page actually arranged uh, Donovan's Sunshine Superman together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they had worked. And, and when he heard that Page was starting a new band, he jumped right on the... He, he said, whatever, you, whatever your next project is, I want in. And evidently, Paige's answer was, I'll get back to you. I got to find a lead singer first. Yeah, yeah, which, which is true. And, you know, pri prior to that, Paige, like a lot of people don't know, and I can't cite the specific songs, but Paige, you know, did a lot of session work, including for uh, The Who. He actually played guitar on some of those Who records, just uncredited. Well, <laughs> that's something that uh, we might get into a little later. Uh Pete Townsend, not a big fan. A, a lot of those guys weren't. A lot of those guy, guys weren't. You know what? I I got to tell you, you know, Zeppelin is is a band that I love on one hand and loathe on the other hand. So you you ended last week's uh, show with the comment when I said this week's show will be a Led Zeppelin. You basically yelled out like a banshee. <laughs> overrated overrated band you know what come on look you and i grew up in in the you know 70s and the early 80s and it was led zeppelin led zeppelin i mean it's all you ever heard it was you know they were on the radio constantly and you know they were by far regarded as the biggest baddest best band best drummer best bass player best lead singer you know best guitar player just too much and you know why, I think why that is epitomizes that? Why, the band. Why? They were just too fucking much. But well, I mean, why is that? Why why do you think? Because they were really good. Yeah. Yeah. They were good at their chosen field, as Pete Townsend put it. But how good were they really? Like, okay, what made them good? So, you know, John Bonham, if you want to talk about I'm not going to say he's overrated, but they, he's 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 widely thought of as the best drummer ever. Right? He's a phenomenal, phenomenal drummer. So I'm a, okay. 
I'm going to read a quote from uh, from the one and only Keith Richards. Okay, so see, today was one of those days. So let me get my uh, so Keith Richards quoted as saying, "As a band, I think they were aptly named. They never took off musically, at least to me." Barnum was a powerhouse drummer, although I think he was heavy-handed. That's where the lead comes in. (laughs) But to cut the story short, Led Zeppelin is Jimmy Page. And he says, I love Jimmy Page, but Zeppelin as a band, no. Uh, He's quoted as saying, with John Barnum thundering down the highway in an uncontrolled 18-wheeler, he had cornered the market there. And Jimmy's a brilliant player, but I always felt there was something a little hollow about it. You know, all right. So, so yeah, but but you know, I'm telling you, a lot of those guys, Mick Jagger, no real love for Led Zeppelin. Pete Townsend, I think the quote that I read from Pete Townsend said, "I love those guys individually. They're all beautiful players." He was like, "But I just never really got them." You you might actually have the the correct quote, but I'm going to tell you. So let's get into that. Let's get into what Pete Townsend said about them. So Pete Townsend says, I don't like a single thing they've done. I hate to even be slightly compared to them. I just never, ever liked them, and that's a real problem for me because as people, I think they are really, really great guys. I just never liked the band. I just got a block to them because they became bigger than The Who in so many ways in their chosen field, but I've never liked them. And then any chance he got, to get to take a shot at them, so he delivered the inaugural uh, uh, lecture for the, for the John Peel lecture in 2011. Now John Peel was a British DJ, record producer, journalist, uh, just Huge influencer. He was the man. He was the man, right? Yeah. In, in Britain. Uh, so when Townsend was given that lecture, he saw another opportunity to throw Zeppelin under the bus when he said, "Did John Peel?" Really give Led Zeppelin their big break? I, I can't see it myself. I don't give a shit about making money. I think rock music is junk. I'm a genius. The Who were okay, but without me, they would have all ended up working in the flower market, or worse, in Led Zeppelin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not a big fan. <laughs> Not a big fan. Look, look I, I, I'm not sure, you know, look, you know, calling them overrated is is probably, you know, a, a little bit harsh. I mean, again, they were, they dominated, you know, the 70s in terms of hard rock. I mean, they, these guys were playing to, you know, 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people at, at, at a time. But, you know, to me, you know, part of the, you know, the problem that I had was they got so big and so overblown. I, I think that they were the partial inspiration to the punk movement, you know, where people were just like enough already, you know, um, and then in, in terms of, and, and I know that this is going to not going to jive with popular opinion and most people love Jimmy page as a, a guitar player. And I think he is a brilliant studio guitar player. I think he was an amazing arranger, you know, working with John Paul Jones. I think he knew how to do multi-tracks. He was magical in the studio and he was a great writer and he was a great writer of music. He was an okay live guitar player. He was sloppy. Oh, he was. I mean, there was something about him. 
he would play these, like they were almost the predecessor to Prague rock, uh, Prague rock, uh, with their, they started getting into these long in concert, these long 15 minute. And he would make, you know, he'd make these mistakes. He'd make chord mistakes yeah. with the attitude of like, Oh, I'll just, I'll, I'm going to be playing for another 12 minutes. I'll fix it later. Well, well, they, well, you also you also have to remember that a lot of that time he was on heroin. Well, Keith Richards, but the way Keith Richards did it, he could be sloppy, but there was something edgy about him doing it. Jimmy J, uh, Jimmy Page had some kind of an arrogance to it. It's like he was trying to impress the girl in the front row, you know. But, but so, that, that, that was that was one of the other problems that I had with Led Zeppelin. They they had an arrogance about him. They had a mystique about them. You know, I mean. You know, and it still continues to this day. You know, people adore Led Zeppelin. You know, people are still buying their albums, buying their T-shirts. There are even some goofballs that are buying Led Zeppelin pinball machines. What? Don't, you mean the one that's right behind me in my studio? Led Zeppelin 3? Or as I call it, the original Unplugged? The original Unplugged, absolutely. But, you know, what? I'll tell you, give, give credit where credit is due. You know, most people don't realize, you know, they look at Led Zeppelin because they've had such longevity, because they are, have been so popular for so long and th- for audiences popular pretty much right out of the gate. You, f- you have a tendency to forget that they were only around for 12 years. They were only around 12 years. And... But those guys were powerhouses. And again, you and I keep kind of returning to the same theme. They were a working band, especially in the early days. I mean, they put out Led Zeppelin in January of 69. They put out Led Zeppelin II in October of 69. Those are two brilliant, brilliant records. And they put them out in the same frigging year. But how many of those? uh, So I I want to touch on something. So um, one of our viewers just chatted in uh, Suzanne uh, about Pete Townsend kind of bashing Zeppelin. And she basically said (laughs) threatened as in, you know, uh, Pete Townsend felt threatened by them. I don't think anybody on this fucking earth, any guitar player could ever threaten Pete Townsend or make him feel insecure or make him. I just don't think that it's possible. I think, Pete Townsend is a better guitar player than Jimmy Page, personally. Um, I think he's a better songwriter <laughs> than Jimmy Page. I think the Who got overshadowed by them because of uh, the they had a great Led Zeppelin had a great publicity machine. Uh, their tour manager was an animal. You know, their manager in general was an animal. Their manager, Peter Grant, was... He was an animal. I mean, he was, he a, he was an animal and, and resorted to physical violence and carried guns and, and all of that. But, you know, I, I think that's... But Suzanne I don't think Pete Townsend of the Who... I, I think I think John Bonham is over, is over... Pete... Keith Moon is a much, much uh, more technical drummer than Bonham. And, 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 and Pete Townsend knows that. I mean, Keith Moon has fill. He, you can hear the fills in his, uh, in his 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 drum in his drumming. Yeah. Whereas Bonham is just like you could say Bonham and Neil Peart are built from the same, cut from the same cloth. 
You know, uh, no, I, don't know, no I shouldn't say that. No, because Neil Pruitt is very technical also. I, I don't know. Say, I, I mean, to, uh, to me, the way that I would describe it is I think that that Bonham was technical in that he didn't really stray too far out from, you know, playing drums kind of straightforward where Keith Moon was far, far more dynamic and pushed the boundaries and, and was just out and out wild. And, and you know, Neil Pert, whole different story. I mean, just incredible drummer infused a lot of jazz and you know he had a lot of different influences not to mention the hundred different drums that that he actually had i think the thing that made john bonham the special drummer was that he he drove that band's sound with you know you might call it heavy handedness but that was the thing that gave that band that thunder uh, one of our viewers chatted in, Bob, who said, he says, Keith Moon was a mess as a drummer. It was awesome, but not technical. I think I, I think you're wrong. I don't think his mess was brilliant. His it mess was, was, it was brilliant. It was brilliant, but but what do you mean by technical? So, I mean, and that's what he I mean. Like John, he knew he knew the fills. He knew how to fill in. And, you know, with Bonham's like, just like that heavy, that just the straight ahead drummer. Keith Keith Moon was kind of like in the sense, not a jazz drummer, but I mean, they had two totally different styles. Keith Moon was faster. He was always moving, always moving from drums. You know, it's just his drumming was different, but it, uh, he, I just think he had more flair to it. I think he had more. Yeah, but more, more flair doesn't equate to not technical. flair in the sense of showmanship. Yeah. Flair oh, yeah, in the sense yeah. of musicianship. No, no, no question about it. And by the way, what what is it about drummers that, you know, both of them ended up killing themselves with alcohol? Now, Bonham actually died, you know, of asphyxiation. You know, the story supposedly was that he drank 40 shots of vodka while he was staying at, at Jimmy Page's place and fell asleep and, you know, threw up and choked on it and whatnot. And Keith Moon, technically, he didn't die of, of alcohol. He was actually on some medication to curb his alcoholism uh went out yeah. he went out to see the buddy holly story with paul mccartney had had uh, a party and he went out there and was trying not to drink but everybody wanted him to be keith moon and he ended up drinking i think some but what ended up happening with him i think they said that they found 26 of those pills in his belly he was just you know but but what is it about the drummers that they just can't keep their shit together man Ah, they're a different breed. They're a different breed of person, man. They're yeah, a different breed of person. But yeah, I, I don't think that Led Zeppelin's overrated. I mean, four hundred million, four to five hundred million album sales says you know that they're not overrated. I think if you really break them down, for the average music fan, they're they're dynamite. They're they're the top of the heap. But if you look a little deeper into it, again, a lot of they've been called lazy actually by people in the business because of their lack of songwriting as far as, you know, all those Delta blues songs that they just took, you know, now they gave credit later on or they stole the idea from it. Ah, uh, what was it? Ah, uh, there was one song that they did. Uh, they took from, one of these Delta Blues guys, I, I I shouldn't start a story I don't have the facts on, but uh, the, the gist of it was they went on tour, the guy went on tour with them, and then uh, the next album, Jimmy Page wrote this, you know, came up with this riff, 
and it was almost identical to this you know this delta blues guy and well they 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 have a there's a couple of stories and then he said i never heard i never heard that song before and i've never heard this guy before i mean blatantly lied about it I mean, they, they they just went through the whole lawsuit where, you know, their lawyers were better than the guys from. So the band was called Spirit, if if we're talking about the same story. Yeah, and it no, was, this was the Delta Blues guy. This was. Uh, yeah, take, take, take your pick. Robert Johnson, uh, Blind no, Willie Johnson, and Willie Dixon. They stole from all of those guys. Yeah. You know, even, even uh, Babe, I'm Going to Leave You, which is a song that I love off of Led Zeppelin 1, they. They kind of stole from, um, you know, the, the the popular version before them was from Joan Baez, but she didn't even write it. But they blatantly took that. And, you know, look, there's nothing wrong with having influences from other artists and whatnot. But they blatantly ripped off uh, riffs, melodies, and whatnot, and just blatantly did not and give anybody credit the for it so they were litigated against. Even lyrics at times. Oh, yeah. You know, they didn't, they didn't hide from... Uh from taking taking any lyrics which is uh that brings me to where do i have this um okay when the levy breaks when the levy breaks is one of those songs that's actually the best song on that album if you ask me led zeppelin three right uh no it's off of four isn't it is it four yeah yeah four the the untitled well, album, the first yeah, untitled the, yeah, album, the black album, or some people call it the dark album. Yeah. Um, so when the levee breaks was recorded by uh, Kansas Joe McCoy and Memphis Minnie in 1929, right? So he actually gave uh, Memphis Minnie a writing credit, Robert Planted, because he took the whole song, right? Basically, took the whole song. When did he give him? When did he give her credit? Uh, that's that's a question I don't have an answer to. But so the thing there, there was the thing about when the levee breaks, and I and I thought that I found this interesting. So that drum beat at the beginning. There's so many rumors about that drum beat. So you know, wait, wait, could the, you do that drum? Could you do that drum beat? <laughs> Don't make me do the fake harmonica, please. <laughs> so um, so what happens is that whole sound thing becomes a thing of its own. That whole intro becomes a thing of its own. It takes on a life of its own. Uh, and we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Uh, it, uh, it may get loud with the Jimmy Page, Jack Black, Edge, you know, guitar documentary. Jack White. Jack White. Yeah, I'm sorry. Who did I say? Jack, Jack Black. Black. Yeah. Well, he's a guitar player too. Yeah, he's, he's, a good, he's a good guitar player, he actually. He's a good guitar player. Yeah. Um, so they bring him back to where is it, Headley Ridge, where they recorded that. Yeah. And you know, he walks in the lobby and it's like set up like uh the place is set up like a uh like a hotel. Like you go up the stairs, there's a level, then you go up another level and you go up another level and Jimmy Page is like, oh, this would be great. You know, so the story goes. Let's record in here. Let's do when the levee breaks in here. So, you know, he he points up. He goes, we put, you know, we set up a mic here. We set up a mic there. First of all, Jimmy Page never set up a fucking mic. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at that point in their career. So 
the story is the echo was so good, the echo was so you know powerful that what you hear at the beginning of when the levee breaks is a natural echo, which is impossible to get that echo. They set a microphone up on the second level and the third level, which was unique. But they actually had uh, 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 an echo machine. I forget what the name of the box was back then. Actually, Jimmy Page had bought this thing. And the engineer is the one that came up with all that. He's the one that tuned it in. They, I guess they just totally compressed it, like 100% compressed. And they came out with that sound. Uh, people were always thinking, oh, Headley Ridge. You know, They said, oh, that was at Anton LaVey's house. It's amazing how some songs take on a life of their own in that particular song. And that song is a, it's an interesting song where the, um, the drum is actually the, uh, what do you call it? It's the, it's the, the, the whole rhythm of the song. It's the, it's the break. It's the whole song. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for with the, when you have a song, the melody, or it's the consistent throughout the whole song. I don't know. <laughs> I think the, the melody's fine. The the rhythm, the beat. Nah, it's it's something else. But it's um, it's it's it carries through the whole song. And then you hear Robert Plant's harmonica playing. It's like where the hell did that come from? Like that dude was a great harmonica player. He uh he was a, he was a good harmonica you know player. But I mean, he's he's no Mick Jagger. You know, Mick Jagger can really can really 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 play. Um, you know the 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 harmonica fill on the on that song is is good, but it's it's kind of basic stuff. But, but what, it's, on, amplified, on it's, it's it's amplified and it's made really heavy. Now he gets into it. He digs it. It's the tempo. That's I think that's what uh, one of our, our viewers just chatted in the the tempo. I think of the song. But it's one of those uh, rare. The drum is the with Jimmy Page actually sucked his ego up. And let something else drive the song instead of his guitaring. So what do you got? Tell me something. So before we get too far away from it, just so people that are listening understand, because we we throw out the whole thing about them, you know, being plagiarists. And, and there, there were a lot of people that did that back in the day. You know, there are people that have accused, um, you know, Bob Dylan have plagiarizing certain things from poetry books or from other artists. The Beatles were sued for plagiarism a couple of times. George Harrison was sued for a copyright infringement for um, My Sweet Lord. You know, the oh, melody was, was kind of ripped off. That was, by, absolutely, huh? that was a blatant ripoff. That oh, was yeah. That. yeah, yeah, from, from the Shirelles. But I, but I have, you know, at least a partial list here. So Babe, I'm Gonna Leave You was actually a song written by Ann Breeden that was popularized by Joan Baez. You Shook Me was a song written for Muddy Waters that was actually written by Willie Dixon. Dazed and Confused. And this might be the one that you were actually making reference to. Hold on a second. My computer's about to die. Actually, Dazed and Confused. Did you know it was originally called I'm Confused? And didn't the Yardbirds do that? Well, Well, he... So Paige actually had dazed and confused when um or I feel confused when he when he was in the Yardbirds. It was called something else. It was like I I feel confused or I'm so confused. I don't know what the hell's going on here. And actually, if you getting back to when the levee breaks, if you go and listen to uh if you listen to Coda, 
There's the original version of When the Levee Breaks. It was fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God they revisited it. Scott. What do you have? Technical difficulties? Yeah, you might you might lose me. Oh, Jack. I'll never lose you. Uh man, what the hell's going on here? I can still see you. Well, let me see. I'll just carry on right here. So <laughs> while Jack adjusts his and this is the beauty of live streaming, right? Well, this can, is the beauty of it. I'll, I'll so talking while I'm trying to figure it out. I'm gonna pull out a did you know? So did you know that Jimmy Page, to keep the record companies from meddling into their uh, into their albums, their first few albums, he actually uh, he financed Led Zeppelin's self titled album just to keep the record companies out of his uh, out of his hair, so to speak, out of their hair. How you doing? You plugged in? Not yet. For whatever reason, okay. it's not. It's it ain't working, Scotty boy. It ain't working, Captain. <laughs> you've got no power. Okay, so let's go into another. Did you know? This is on the fly. Robert Plant recorded "Presence," the album "Presence," in a wheelchair. He he did. So you're you're, right. you're, you're absolutely right. So the sto the story of "Presence," and I know this one. I know this one. So, so the story of presence was that they were actually supposed to go on tour. And that before they were going on tour, they were all in like, uh, you know, Europe and a bunch of different, di di different places. This is 77. Robert Plant, Robert Plant was, uh, on the Greek islands with his son, Jimmy Page's son and his wife at the time. And nobody really knows what happened, but the, the, his car basically went off the road. And they uh, they ended up hitting a tree. He actually thought his wife was dead. She was conked out. They ended up in a lousy, you know, Greek hospital. He had a broken hip. He had a broken leg. He was absolutely a mess. Broke his elbow long. too. What's that? He broke his elbow too. Yeah, yeah. they weren't they weren't sure that he was actually going to be able to walk again. They were, you know, the future of Led Zeppelin was was somewhat uncertain. So the the tour obviously was canceled. So instead, they decided to make what would become Presence, their lowest selling album, you know, uh, uh, up to that point, aside from the abominable, terrible, horrible, and we can argue about this one, is the song remains the same. That live record is just awful. I'm sorry. But in I any like the, uh, the Days of Confused. I like the, I like the movie. The movie was good. It didn't, it's kind of trippy. Boring. I think it was Boring. Boring. Yeah. I guess, I guess, you know, it depends on how old you were when you saw it and what condition you were in. And was it a midnight movie or what was it when you saw it? Right. But they, they, you know. So the, you know, getting back to, you know, to presence, uh, no, no acoustic guitars on that record, no, no. keyboards on that record, really no. no, strangely enough, no presence of, of, uh, John Paul Jones incident, uh, you know, involvement. You know, other than playing on the record, he didn't do a lot of arranging and a lot of writing. That album was basically written by, you know, uh, Jimmy Page. And then Robert Plant obviously came in and, and helped with the lyrics. But they were actually trying to, you know, get back to a heavier sound. The album was rushed. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of um, unhappiness. You know, Robert Plant was 
not happy about making the record. He, as you said, was in a wheelchair for the recording of it. Um, I, in, in my opinion, there's two good songs on that, on that record, which is Achilles last stand, which is over 10 minutes long, you know, talk about excess. And then, um, what's the other song that, that I like on it? Uh, Nobody's fault by mine. Right. That they ripped off. <laughs> that they ripped off. Actually, I think I think one of the coolest things and the most disappointing thing about like when I first bought presents, you know, if you remember the album cover, it had that family sitting around so, with the with, yeah with, with, the, with the, the symbol. So yeah, they the they, they had them they had them sitting around the you know the little black statue, and yeah. I th- I thought it was going to be a concept album, and it is by far not a concept album. That record oh. is thrown together. It's got it's got some it's I mean Achilles Last Stand for Your Life Royal Orleans Nobody's Fault But Mine uh, Candy Store Rocks a Throwaway Hot's On for Nowhere Throwaway and T for One So I mean the, there's seven songs on it right which says a lot right there because how many albums back then only had seven songs So it was a throw together album to get a tour on right So during that tour they were notoriously hateful toward the media. They didn't like them, right? So they decided during the 77 tour of Presence that to burnish that reputation uh, for notoriously uh, uh, press aver- the, the they averted the, they, they didn't like the, the, the media. They allowed a handful of reporters to see the shows and ask them questions, uh, Though there were rules, and this handful of reporters that got to go with them, these were the rules, okay? One, never talk to anyone in the band unless they first talk to you. 1A, 1A, do not make any sort of eye contact with John Bonham. This is for your own safety. (laughs) This is real. They really did this. Rule number two, do not talk to Peter Grant or the tour manager, Richard Cole, for any reason. Number three, keep your cassette player turned off at all times unless conducting an interview. And four, never ask questions about anything other than music. And five, most importantly, understand this. The band will read what is written about them. The band does not like the press, nor do they trust them. That was handed to each, each you know, uh, reporter, uh, you know. Well, that's you know, that- that 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 is you know overblown ego and that, and that's not un, uncommon so you know i have a friend of mine that is like the head of operations for the boston garden and she she told me this story that you know you can pretty much drive your tour bus right into the boston garden and somebody came up when madonna was playing there and said that when she got off the bus everybody had to kind of turn away from her if somebody made eye contact with her she was going to leave she was going to refuse to do the show like, get the fuck over yourself, will you, man? <laughs> get over yourself, you old hag. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, what else? Let me see. Again, I think John Paul Jones is so underappreciated uh, in the Led Zeppelin legacy 
for his contributions to that band very definitely definitely overshadowed and, and part of it is is you well, know he, i think he liked it like that too he was a little yeah i mean guy. look you you, you kind of get you get what you what you hope to get and what he wanted was he wanted to make his music he didn't necessarily want it to be this big loud rock star and he and you know what he would have lost anyway you know jimmy page huge presence robert plant huge present bonzo big big presence he was right. the quiet guy you know yeah yeah but they, you know what i think was a real shame was when when page and plant got together i think it was in like 95 and they were really going out to do kind of like the acoustic versions or the different arrangements of zeppelin songs they didn't even ask him to go out really yeah they didn't even ask him to go out <laughs> um you know what i hate about led zeppelin though i, I really hate it All the st- stairway to heaven good lord it's an eighth graders idea of a fantasy playing that really the simplest stupidest intro to a song that people think is so glorious and fabulous hey you know if you I shouldn't was hear next this to you right now no listen to me if i was next to you right now i would pull a fucking blutowski and smash that guitar so you, you just you just hate led zeppelin because when it was played at the winthrop junior high dances you were up in the bleaches all by yourself crying uh, yeah and that was it that was made led zeppelin even robert plant doesn't like stairway to heaven robert uh, plant you, doesn't like- you not like stairway to heaven come on it's it's anthemic you know and, and i'll tell you it's a, it's a long song and and it's been overplayed to death but there are still times where i listen to that song where i get chills listening to jimmy page's guitar solo Nah, Robert Plant even said he hates Stairway to Heaven. He's actually quoted as saying, there's nothing special about that song at all. He said he considered it a nice, pleasant, well-meaning, naive little song that wouldn't be nearly as popular if its lyrics weren't so vogue and ambiguous. It's exactly what he said about it. And you know what else I fucking hate about that song? Is you get these, these college students, these, these college students, and they do their thesis in music, you know, music theory. And you know, they I'm gonna do my thesis on on Stairway to Heaven. And basically what this if it is what what Robert Plant really meant was the system the, the systemic patriarchy in the Middle Earth between the hobbits, and that there was no female hobbits except there was one according and this is what I read into the lyrics, you know, uh the Frodo Baggins had a, a wife named Bimbo Baggins, and and he she cheated on him with another Hobbit named Shitbag Baggins, and they had a kid named I don't give a shit Baggins who ended up being an oppressor to the to the Hobbit you know patriarchy and Stairway to Heaven was Robin Plant reading the fucking Hobbit books, okay. Mm-hmm. And he wrote some lyrics. The and everybody the rings. And every fucking year from fucking 1970-something to 1980-something for 10, 15 fucking years, every radio station in the country, we were the greatest 10 songs of the decade or the last. And fucking Stairway to Heaven always came in fucking first place because everybody thinks Stairway to Heaven was such a great fucking song. And it's not. It's just not. Okay. It's a it's a it's a song. It's got a good guitar solo, and that's all there is to it. Okay. Yes, what? 
<laughs> see that that that's you. That's where I think the band goes like way off the rails. You know, I mean, you know the 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 first the first couple of albums they were a blues band. You know, I mean, they played a lot of heavy blues and and then they they turned into a prog band for a little while. Yeah, and Stairway to Heaven is it's you know it's a better song than Stairway to Heaven. Freebird, okay. Freebird is a better song than Stairway to Heaven. It means something. The lyrics mean something. The guitars mean something. The drumming means something. There's no fucking flutes in there. And there's no ding, 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 ding. <laughs> nah, no acoustic in there. Freebird is a better song than Stairway <laughs> to Heaven. But because it's Led Zeppelin, Led Zeppelin did the greatest band in the world. Stairway to Heaven, greatest song in the world. Get yeah. Dude, let your feelings out. Turn around and tip that pinball machine over. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to say I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dying to get that off my chest for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are your – give me a list. Uh, what are your 10 favorite Led Zeppelin songs. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at my top 10 list and there's actually 12 songs on it, but I'll, I'll read 10. That's, uh, I could have said something, but I'll leave it alone. Easy. All right. So I'll, yeah. I'll, 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 I'll so these aren't really in, in order, but they, this is the way that they came Somewhat to me. Somewhat order. Yeah. Yeah. So, so maybe they, they are. So I'll start at, at 10. Uh, Friends off of Led Zeppelin 3. I think underrated, great song. How many more times? Number nine. Friends. Wait, wait. Did you just say friends? Really? Friends. Are you like trying to be the guy that's like different? I'm going to be different and pick the song that nobody fucking likes or even <laughs> knows exists. Are you going to be that guy? You, know, you, you, pr you probably bring up a good point. If I look at most of my list, it's all of the stuff that I haven't heard 18 million fucking times. Uh. That's one of the problems that I have with Led Zeppelin is they were so they weren't overrated. They were overplayed. You know what the thing I found interesting about Led Zeppelin? I've really had a hard time putting songs to albums because they all kind of mesh together after a while, probably from being overplayed. Like yeah. I, I'd listen to a song, I'd be like, wait, was that off of Physical Graffiti or Houses of the Holy? What? I don't know. You know? So, okay, sorry to interrupt. So Friends. Friends. <laughs> against off the of Green Led guy. Zeppelin 3. Right. Um, how many more times? When the Levee Breaks. Gallows Pole, In the Light, off of Physical Graffiti, which is, look, just a, a lot of memories of being down Greg Porter's basement or somebody's basement with the clips or the Bose 901s cranked out in a big hazy fog of whatever was being smoked in those, those, room, uh, those rooms. Big, long introduction, but really heavy and, and really cool and great keyboards by John Paul Jones. Um, the immigrant song, love the immigrant song, hate the song that's on the other side of it. That was the, the 45, but we can talk about that in a second. Uh, number four, your time is going to come off of Led Zeppelin one, the song, the song remains the same. Thank you. And my number one is babe. I'm going to leave you. Oh, Jesus. What's it, What's your fucking problem? What's what's That's wrong with your that number list? one? That, really? I love that song. I've always loved that song. Oh my god! Was this some sort of like you know, first kiss or first uh, thing involved with that? <laughs> I love how different we are. 
<laughs> well, we're different, all right, except for our heads. <laughs> You're different, all right. All right, so go ahead. Let's hear it. Uh, okay, number 10 from Houses of the Holy, the Rain Song. Like that, that was, song. That was, that was my number 12. So number nine, and it's kind of interesting. I, I, I found myself with a trend on this because they kind of have a similar – uh, uh, openings is uh, 10 years gone off of physical graffiti, right? They have that slow build, right? Number eight, um, in the evening, through the in through the outdoor, just a slamming song from you know, just one of those great songs. Number seven, from physical graffiti in the light. All right. You were probably at the same parties I was at. Isn't there there synthesizer in that? Isn't there synth in the light? There are definitely keyboards in that song. I'm not (laughs) sure that I would call them synthesizers. John Paul Jones is too refined of a musician to sink down to the level of playing a synthesizer. Uh, You're an anti-synthite who likes the Go-Go's. Anyways. Dude, you love the synthesizer. I do. You know what? You're Synthy Lopper. Oh. Oh, Jesus. Did you, you really just, just say that? Did you really just say that? Yeah, I did. Okay. It so, was a cheesy joke. Like, that's, yeah, that's we left cheese last after last week's show. Okay, so getting back to it. Number seven was In the Light from Physical Graffiti. Number six from Presence, Nobody's Fault But Mine. Right? Number five from Led Zeppelin 2. I still love. Well, this was an interesting whole lot of love. So I love the song. Huh? It's another stolen song. It's okay. I loved it. Then I I hated it. I got so sick of hating it. But I know you and everybody listening has gone through this with at least one song where you're driving in your car and this song comes on you've heard 10,000 times. And all of a sudden, you kind of really listen to it again. And you start getting a new appreciation for it, right? You know what I'm talking about? So, so like you, you know, start going, this song is actually good again. Like I like the song again. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes you, you sometimes, got to get away from them for for a little bit. And but a whole it, lot of love, just abs. I just, it's just, and it doesn't bring back like the old memory. It's just, I just start listening. I go, the arrangement of it, the you know, the, the left to rights, the how it jumps around, how it was produced, just a great song. There's there's one part of whole lot of love that I love in particular. So there's that that whole interlude in the middle, and they go into kind of the guitar solo, um, and then the the band just all kicks in. Yeah, that, that part is just magic when they all kick in. Yep. And, and you know what? I have a love hate relationship with it with that song, and I go back and forth, and I get bored with it, and then I find it again. But at at the end. It's where, a great you know, Robert, Cl- Robert Plant, you know, way down inside, like, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, number four is the Immigrant Song from Led Zeppelin Three. Now, what the word I was looking for earlier, and it's the same as this, uh, when the levee breaks is very, is the riff. The riff is the drums in that song. The drum in the carries that whole song. Just like uh, uh, in an immigrant song, I think John Paul Jones is driving that one. 
dun 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 yeah. heavy bass, heavy bass all the way through. And again, yeah. that was kind of a moment that Jimmy Page was either out, you know, getting a drink and they snuck that in because he's not really into letting other people get, you know, a little fame on the song. Okay, so that number three, I think this song is it was it is like the greatest entrance song ever. If you're a fighter, if you're a wrestler, this is I think probably the greatest entrance song. From Physical Graffiti, The Rover. I love that whole intro that the intro to that song, right? Yeah. Number two, when the levee breaks. Best song on that album. It's the last song. Mm-hmm. It's totally different than everything else on that album. Totally different than anything else on that album. And I just think it was a great song. And my number one, probably oh, one of the greatest. Huh? Please don't say it. Well, what do you think it's going to be? I, just, just go ahead. No, it's <laughs> this song is probably one of the best side one first song songs of all time you want to talk about uh, uh a better way to start a side one multi-guitars total jam from start to finish and it's achilles last stand that is my six, favorite zeppelin song six six or seven different guitars on that, that oh there's that so part. there's multi-guitars it's unbelievable yeah. and and that's one of those songs where if they ever played it in concert it's kind of sounds hollow just like when the levee breaks if you heard it if they played it in concert that kick wasn't there. That echo yeah. wasn't there. So it's kind of it a couldn't, hollow couldn't replicate it. Couldn't couldn't replicate it live. Yeah. And so here's here's, here's, the, here's an interesting observation of our of our list. No stairway to heaven. Good. No no good times say, bad times. I, no good mention, times. No, did I mention no, I fucking hate stairway to heaven? Did I mention yeah, that? Yeah. Okay. No good times bad times. Good. No misty mountain hop. No heartbreaker. No living loving made. Um, you know, a a lot of the stuff that's played all all of all the time, we didn't pick, we picked a lot of deep tracks and I'll tell you one of the other ones that, that we didn't pick is, is probably in most people's top three is cashmere. Cashmere is a great song. You know what else? Cashmere is an okay song. It's yeah. My number 11 song, if, if it was a top 11 would have been communication breakdown. Another great song off a of Led Zeppelin one, but you know my yeah. issue with Cashmere is it doesn't go anywhere. It's just you know what my introduction to Cashmere was the Channel Fifty Six Eight O'clock Movie when we were growing up. Channel Fifty Six, the UHF channel in Boston. The intro to the Eight O'clock Movie or Ten O'clock Movie was Cashmere, yeah. and I didn't know that. I was just a little Chuck. Yeah. Although, although I will, I will absolutely concede. That the uh, the live record that they put out from the one show that they did in England in two thousand and seven that v- that live version of Cashmere is fantastic. It's just big and heavy, and you know the technology was there to really kind of pull it off live. Dazed and confused or Cashmere, which one you like better? <sighs> I, I think I would have to go with Dazed and Confused because I like the guitar solo. The guitar, I think the, the best version of Days and Confused was off of the movie that you hated. That was so boring. So that that, that that song on that soundtrack takes up a whole side. But it's brilliant. It is it's brilliantly, brilliantly snoozable. It sucks. 
It was, but did you say it was brilliantly snoozable? <laughs> Copywritten Jack Calabrese 2021. Pick up your mic and just drop it because I don't even have a comeback for that one. It was brilliantly uh, snoozable. And then, you know, what, 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 what kind of idiots were we where we used to? You know, be half wasted, and we would trek into either Boston or Cambridge to go see the midnight showing of that. I'd be asleep in fifteen minutes. Uh, that is well, not a good movie, and it's not a good record. The now, movie makes to, absolutely no sense. To, this fucking werewolf gangster with the the Tommy gun that made no sense at all. You have to be on the those, house. Those, those fantasy scenes? Come on, give me a fucking yeah. break. Dude. Robin, Robin playing with the cape and the sword? Terrible. <laughs> Overblown, bombastic, huge ego, too much money, too much drugs. Forget about that. movie is horrible. Okay, West Side Story or The Song Remains the Same? <laughs> Not even close. West Side Story. Get out of here. Absolutely. Get out of here. I used to think West Side Story was like this cool movie, right? When I was a kid, because they showed it once a year on ABC, right? It's a classic. And watch it, and everyone thinks they're the Jets and the Sharks. Then I grew up, and then I watched it one night, and I was like, "These guys are a little no, no, no." West Side Story is a much better movie. They're not as tough as I thought they were. They're kind of dancing a lot, and they're they're kind of not really. Don't you remember when we used to dance through the center? Yeah, Let's when go I was a kid, I thought it was the coolest thing, and then I see the fight is actually a, a dance. <laughs> like, what the hell? Yeah, <laughs> that was a, that was yeah. I think even, with all, even with all of that, West Side Story is a much better movie Did than they, the Song Remains no, the Same. The Song Remains the Same was horrible, Get horrible, horrible. Get out of here! Just terrible. Just, just, just. There's not. And you know the shame of it is, is, is Led Zeppelin was uh, could be a really good live band. I've known a couple of people that have had the opportunity to see them, like in their prime, uh, like three or four people, and they all said the same thing: if you caught them on a good night, they were brilliant. But if you caught them when they were off, they were awful. Yeah, and it but, just so you know, happened that one of the nights they were awful, they actually filmed them and recorded the song. Remains the same. <laughs> it was so bad that they had to come up with these lame fantasy sequences because they didn't have enough interesting things on stage to carry that fucking movie. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's, let's transition into the final segment of the show sponsored by great white hot sauce, the hot sauce that bites find it at www.trygreatwhite.com. Dot com. Bites almost as much as the song remains the same. Oh. <laughs> what do you got and what's new? What do you got? So so I ordered one record today. I ordered the uh, the new Black Keys record, which is, th- those guys are, are great. They put out a lot of music. But the one that I can show today, I actually got the box set, uh, which is called Total Assault. This is the MC5, the Mo- Motor City 5 that has the three vinyl releases uh, kick out the jams back in the USA in high time. This is a great That's record. some originators right there, buddy. A great record. There isn't a song on here that's 17 minutes long, you over-egoed young girl, <laughs> groupie-loving, yeah. mud-shot-slapping. These, these two-minute three-riff songs like the Ramones, please. <laughs> yeah. Look, at, the, at, the, at the end of the day, Led Zeppelin were a historic, amazing, amazing band. But 
you know, not infallible. You know, they they, they didn't get everything right. Yeah. So I went out and downloaded. <laughs> I downloaded. Uh, I'm going to actually put up the album cover for the for the viewers from 2003. Uh, the Dandy Warhols. Welcome to the Monkey House. Very interesting group, the Dandy Warhols. If you ever want to watch a great rock doc, right? Watch the movie called Dig, D-I-G. It's it's a documentary about the Dandy Warhols going on tour and basically the uh, Brian Jonestown Massacre kind of going on tour at the same time. And they kind of collide throughout the uh, the documentary. And it's totally insane. It's insane. Um, but the album, Welcome to the Monkey House, it's a pretty unique sound. It's kind of a it's got kind of a psychedelic sound to it. Then all of a sudden there's kind of a, a love and rockets kind of sound to it. They they're a very unique group. They're one of those groups that didn't really hit big in the States, but they an American band that's huge over in Europe. You know, there's those bands that like that, like Tito and Tarantula. You know, they're not big in, in the States. They were, you know, Quentin Tarantino threw them into, you know, their songs into uh, uh, Dust Till Dawn. But over in Europe, they're like, they're constantly touring, you know. So that's what I got. And uh, yes, you're right. At the end of the day, Led Zeppelin is Led Zeppelin. So right, Renee thinks we're, be, we're being way too hard on them. Do you no, know we're not. Agree? We're telling the truth. <laughs> we're telling the truth. Yeah. I mean, look at Renee is a Rolling Stones fan, right? My friend Renee is a Rolling Stones, like she's a she's a Rolling Stones goddess, okay? Because I love Renee. I, I, I Richards love even Renee said, even more. Keith Richards even said, as if she heard me earlier in the show, Keith Richards even said that Led Zeppelin wasn't that good as a band. All right, so. She can yeah, argue yeah, but, with Keith Richards but, but, over that. But in, all, in, in all fairness, you know, I don't think Keith Richards had a love for Van Halen. I don't think he had a love for a, a lot of bands. Keith Richards' view of music and what he really liked was really narrow. You know, so and and you know what, Led Zeppelin. Uh, I, 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 talk. Think, I, I think that you. Like I think Reagan. you actually made a very good point at the beginning that they were a confused band. I think at some point they really kind of lost their way. They got away from being a blues-based, you know, heavy rock band, and they they turned into kind of a proggy band. And I and think they're, that they're, that they're a teenagers the, band, really. Yeah, if it, you think about it, the, I know? think I think I think there's a little bit of burnout. I think the constant touring. They had a slew of bad luck. I mean, you know, Robert Plant losing his son in the you know in the accident, and obviously John Bonham, you know, dying. I mean, there was there was a lot of tragedy in that band as well. Um, yeah, and they came in right at the right time too. The seventies yeah. was uh, absolute. Uh, uh, the the wall just fell down, and they all came charging in. And Led Zeppelin was leading the way. Here's here's the big question. So if you think about the last album that they put out, you know, a, as a band, aside from the outtakes, the Coda record. So the last band, uh, last album that they put out was in Through the Outdoor, right? Yeah. And and even Zeppelin fans struggle with that record. Too much synthesizer on it. Yeah. Uh -huh. But, you know, Fool, Fool in the Rain, All of My Love, you know, there's a band that was in transition, maybe, maybe trying to keep up with the times a little bit. It would be interesting to see how Led Zeppelin's legacy would have endured had they 
been able to carry on. Because I, I got to tell you, I mean, if you think about like the solo stuff, and I get it, they weren't a unit anymore. But, you know, Paige went on to do The Firm with Paul Rogers, and Robert Plant went on to have a hugely successful, you know, solo career. But I don't think that either of those guys really had great, great albums that they put out. I think there were a couple of great songs here and there. I think Robert Plant, Robert Plant had, what, two good albums with the Honey Drifters, you know. Honey Drippers, Drippers. Whatever they were, yeah. And, And by the way, Jimmy Page was on that. Yeah, and they and they they were good, they were good summer albums. I just remember them hearing Robert Plant's, you know, the two or three songs that he had off those albums. I don't, I wouldn't say he had a huge. Robert Plant is actually a very disappointing person to see in concert if you don't know Robert Plant because Robert Plant is like Marcy doesn't like doing the oldie stuff. He'd rather talk about his stuff with Alison Krauss than he would. With Led Zeppelin, he's like Led Zeppelin was another time in my life. That, that and I know people that have gone to see him, and they're like, ah, 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 yeah. where's Led well, Zeppelin? That, that that gives you that gives you an indication as to why he doesn't do a lot of those songs. He can't do them anymore. No, he doesn't have the vocal range anymore. Yeah. But in, in all fairness, I mean, how old is is Robert Plant? I mean, you know, all of us, our voices change and they evolve, and you you're not able to. Uh, hit the those notes you don't have the vocal range that you did when you were a young man and he's probably really smart to say you know like like when they got together in in 07 you know at the o2 arena in london that was a one-off show and it was incredible and page and john bonham's son and john paul jones they wanted to go on tour they wanted to bring it to america and i think that uh plant was smart enough to recognize that I don't think I can do this night after night. I don't think I can do these songs and hit these high notes and put this much emphasis and and really be impactful for a whole tour. I think he had enough energy and they did enough rehearsal and he's able to rest his voice long enough they get that he he knew he could really pull off one show. And and Robert Plant, in all fairness, you know, on a lot of his tours, he's pulled out, you know, Zeppelin songs. He may have actually done you know, different arrangements, you know, or the band actually played in a lower key so he could actually yeah. get those, those notes. Yeah. But I think once he started working with Alison Krauss, he stopped. And I think that's where I probably should have been a little more specific. When he started working with her, he didn't go back to doing Zeppelin stuff. He did. He was out there doing, you know, again, when he was with the Honey Drippers or whatever. I'm sure when he toured, he did Zeppelin songs. and He did. Page and Plant went out what like 20, 20 years ago. They were they were touring. They, they toured in, I think they toured in ninety five. I'll tell you that the most, at least the the one that I saw. I think that the best live collection of Led Zeppelin songs was when Jimmy Page went out on tour with the Black Crows. Wow, that is that is. If you have an opportunity, for those of you that are listening. Download that one. Go on a Spotify. You will be amazed at how tight and how great that band sounds with Jimmy Page playing with them. But, um, you know, the Robinson boys, they really do those songs justice. Oh, I believe you. I believe you. All right, buddy. We rolled up on an hour. Another good show. Uh, Hang on. We'll chat for a minute after the show. To the P- oh, he's gonna he's gonna play me out. Here we go. I will Gutowski. I will John Belushi that fucking guitar. 
Yeah. Anyways. All right. Well, listen, thank you for listening to the viewers. Thank you for watching. Uh, thank you for your participation. Uh, this podcast will be published by Thursday. Although I shouldn't say that because now I'm locked into it. Uh, it'll be on all podcast platforms. Uh, find it, download it, like it, subscribe. Uh, boy. So like I was saying, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. Uh, we will see you next week. We don't really know what the topic will be. I Jack playing the guitar and he's really irritating me right now. He's in just one of those things. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, listen, everybody, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. And remember, no crates and turntables at gmail.com. Email us. Tell us what you think. Say hello. No crates and turntables at gmail.com. Give us no suggestions. We're listening. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>